Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca slash IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC welcome uh, to my friend and fellow uh, ecosystem uh, podcast host, Mr. Jade Alberts. Hi, buddy. How's it going today, sir? Uh, really good, man. So, so good to have you on and good to, uh, you know, I, I've used this line so many times, but small town Alberta strikes again and biggest small town I've ever lived in. And I think you and I got connected. I don't know, maybe it all blends. When did we start dating? I don't remember. Probably, probably been a couple of years ago now. And we've bounced into each other many times. And I had the privilege of being on your show a couple of weeks ago. So thank you very much for that. And really excited to return the favor and put you in the hot seat for once and get you out of the host chair and uh, put you on, on, on the guest side of the house. I'm going to, I'm going to steal your line and say, it's so exciting to be on this side of the camera. <laughs> finally, it's finally, somebody wanted to talk to me instead of me. Wanting to talk to, talk to me. <laughs> you are the founder at Peer guidance, purpose versus before profit, which we're going to talk a little bit. You're also the host of telling it like it is, which is four years and over 2 million views. So as a fellow podcaster and a, and a content generator, I'll call myself that. Congratulations, man. That is amazing. And you put some fantastic, I love your content. I think you do a great job of Again, similar to our, what we love to do is you're bringing out stories that don't always get told. And I think that that is a superpower in Alberta that we've got so much going on. But if you don't hear about it, you know, does it exist kind of mindset. So your shows like yours, I think do a fantastic job of that. But I really want to dive in. I know your story a little bit. I'm not sure how much the audience knows. And we'll, we'll be careful not to go too far down the rabbit hole. But you, 2015, had an exit from an organization that you, blood, sweat, and tears, put some real solid time into. And, you know, you've got some terms floating around, sales entrepreneur. And I think some interesting things, I'd love to share a little bit of your background. So maybe give us a little bit of the lead up to 2015. And then we can talk about the Jade Alberts kind of in the last kind of five or six years as well. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, a, that's a very great info, intro, and uh, I really appreciate the, the kind words, and uh, I, I do. I love, again, I love your content. I love the guests you bring on. We share guests. If I find somebody, I, I mean, it's just, we're here, to, we're here to share other people's stories, and that's what I love about, uh, I love about uh, YYC Collisions. And again, thank you for having me on. I guess, 
You know, I, I have a different road even getting up to 2015. It's I was lucky enough to work with a lot of family organizations that kind of said, here's a rope, don't hang yourself. Here's what our product costs. We've got no sales in Saskatchewan, you know, go to town. And uh, I really learned the value of margins and how to sell. And I mean, I was always used to saying no, being a sports guy, getting cut, things along those lines. So that never, ever bothered me. But once I took a year off university, it was uh, sales was my life. And I was able to to become a salespreneur, as I as I like to call it, because it's not just a sales guy that thinks, well, paycheck, paycheck. Who cares about margin? Who cares about this? And uh, when I became an entrepreneur back in the day, it was wow. I mean, I get this. I understand it. I the power for me to say no because we're a little guy was was priceless. And and I, I think a lot of salespeople would have a hard time doing that because they're just looking for that almighty sale, regardless of what it does to the company. That's such an interesting commentary. I love just, you know, making the salesperson, making sales as a role more of a hero place. Like, I think it can really get looked at. And I've been to lots of conferences where people, guys come up who really embrace sales and they say, listen, like, you know, no one says, hey, what do you want to be for Halloween? I want to be a salesperson. No, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. I, had a, I was at a conference in San Francisco and that was his opening line. And he had the audience hooked at that point, but really yeah. talked about how much power it provides to you to be kind of almost your own mini business person. And I think it, get, it can get looked down on a lot, but man, nothing much in the world of business happens without sales somewhere along the line. So any thoughts, and now we're philosophizing a little bit, why is it that it gets put sometimes into that category of being, I know lots of people that make an incredible living and have built a whole life on being fantastic salespeople. But sometimes, you know, if you come home and say, you know, mom and dad, I'm dropping out of med school to become a salesperson, it's probably not going to land so well at the dinner table. Any thoughts from someone who's really built his career on sales, why that negative stigma at all? Yeah, you know, to be quite honest, that's a great question and I don't know the exact answer, but your your analogy there was was true. I got pooped on when I came home and said, I'm dropping out of taking a semester off, you know, now 25 or so years later as, as a salesman, right? And it, and it turned into, you know, a decent life. And I think it's just that mentality at, uh, oh, salesmen, they're a dime a dozen. You don't need any skills. You don't need any education. You don't need to be, you know, just go out there and, you know, sell and you'll jump from job to job to job. And it's not a career where I think the opposite. I think it is a career. And I agree with you 100%. I know lots of guys that have been sales guys their entire and sales girls their entire lives and have, have, have been more successful with people with degrees. I'm not knocking degrees. I'm just saying it's. It, it, it's something that you can do. And you know what? Some people are put on this earth to be a hockey player, a doctor, a lawyer. Some people are just born to sell and selling's not out there going and screwing everybody, which some people think it is like, Oh yeah, you know, you're ripping me off. I'm not going to buy from you or things like that. It's, it's about relationships. It's about, it's about, you know, making sure it's a win-win for everybody. I'm not trying to screw the guy. I'm trying to make sure that their business is better, makes more money, stays along, buys more stuff from me. So it's, it's, it's almost like a partnership rather than a sale. That's such an interesting, I, I appreciate that. And like, again, the degree versus, it's this weird versus conversation of like, you could make more. Yeah. Like, I think it does allow a lot of freedom for the individual to kind of make their version of what it is. Like if you look at a lot of accredited and like certified and like you've got a checkbox beside your name and I'm not sp speaking negatively at all to technically oriented careers, 
But there's a lot of, and not that you can't be an individual there, but in the role of as a salesperson, you can meet five different salespeople that are incredibly successful and they're not, they're completely unique to each other. Like there's a lot of freedom to allow your own kind of flavor to come forward. But you said something that I really love and like the, the salespreneur the, or the salespreneur, the sales entrepreneur, you really talked about being that salesperson that also really understood business, understood margin, understood like, because there's yeah. the vision of chasing the next sale and kind of almost being willing to say yes to meet some imaginary top line quota. Did you have mentors or was there guidance in your life that really allowed you to go, okay, wait a second, what is, pro- what is a profitable sale versus what is a top line sale? Oh, absolutely. And, and again, it was, I mean, my mentor that I've had, it came, um, Rob Ryder came with DSL when uh, they kind of headhunted me away from my first sales job. Um, and I mean, if they, that first sales job paid more, I would have still been in the movie industry, but it's, uh, I get paid to watch movie and play video games. I couldn't, you know, that was a pretty good gig, uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, I under started understanding the role the importance of, again, it, as simple as it was, well, why couldn't I go get that video store to buy from me? Well, you have to come down to here and then, and then they would explain everything to me, not just saying no. And I think I was lucky enough to have, like, I mean, you know, even bosses like Mike Glossop, who who's still in Calgary here, Corey Mady, who I'm still friends with. Everybody that was my boss, I am still friends with today. And I think that relationship of them spending time with me, showing me the right way to do it, showing me the right way to run businesses, how how things work, made a huge difference in in my entrepreneur world. You know, twenty, you know, fifteen, sixteen years after I started learning that. Well, and it certainly sounds like, and not for me to draw my storyline over yours, but when I see peer guidance and I understand what you guys do, it also sounds like it set the stage for your ability to give back and to kind of do that same thing. Because you see a lot of entrepreneurs with good ideas, we'll just call them people with great ideas. And then they've decided yeah. to move down that path, which then by default, they become entrepreneurs. There's probably a lot of people that there was like, I didn't wake up to become an entrepreneur, but I got this great idea and I've got this itch I got to scratch. That sales sometimes is also that part that really gets shunned. It's Especially, I do find, I don't know if, you, if you've seen it, yeah. the more technical the, the idea and the more oriented towards technology, which let's be honest, a lot of startups today are in the tech space, that sales role really gets pushed away. Like it gets almost shunned by those thought leaders, which are arguably at that point are the best salespeople for their own organizations. Oh, no, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, and that's why we focus so much on, you know, sales growth, uh, you know, that type of uh, stuff with peer guidance, because behind the thing, behind the scenes, people are like, I got I do have a great idea. And even especially maybe if they're techie and they don't understand or they don't, you're just, you're just not good at sales. I mean, you have good sales rep, bad sales rep, good cops, bad cops, good city councilors, bad city councilors. If we want to go <laughs> very, there. It's a very timely comment, <laughs> sir. <laughs> We will. Um, <laughs> you, yeah. just, you wrapped but, about three or four social issues into that whole comment stream there. If anyone's been listening to the news for the last 40 hours. But yeah, I mean, this is a couple days after something. the election of recording this just to give people context of, you know, some unresolved issues that are happening in the, in the council right now. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really do believe that, you know, in, in the world, the sales is what makes a business successful or not. I mean, if you don't have a sales, I, I can't go out and hire a clear motive right, to market me, to brand me. Like I got to be at a certain point to prove that my company works, to go out and hire people and, and make sure that it is successful. So it's a straw that stirs a drink when it comes to businesses. And sometimes it gets overlooked um, because people think their idea and the product is going to be the one that just, you know, if I build it, they will come. And that's never the case. 
No, I really like that you drew that distinction. And as a, as a marketing company, a lot of times we get brought in, we've worked with startups, which I love the enthusiasm yeah. and the energy that happens. But if there hasn't been an established sales path that was probably organic and driven by the founders and was happening already, marketing is not going to solve that problem for you. And I think sometimes that a lot of money, and you and I have discussed this, you know, over beers, yeah. money can get spent with a marketing company and all respect to the marketing company, doing what they do, it's just not the right thing for that organization, that startup yet. And I think that's a real dangerous balance where sometimes marketing can arguably get a bad name as well because it's not able to deliver sales. But yet it, it was kind of its mandate, but the mandate of marketing is often to set up the sale to happen, not necessarily to do the sale. And I think that's an interesting misnomer that you know, sales and marketing, those two terms get thrown around pretty loose in a lot of organizations, <laughs> small, medium, <Yeah>. and large. <laughs> Yeah. And I think in the last, probably, I mean, I can go back, you know, 10 years, almost pre-social media, right? Sales and marketing would always be this. And, and, and everyone was like, oh, marketing, they don't know crap. Sales, uh, they just, you know, sales are sales. They don't they listen say to yes anybody. To everything but, to do deals. And they exactly. They say, yeah, we, yeah, can yeah. Get, we can get everything for you. We promise there's going to be a swimming pool. Like, what are you talking? There's never going to be a swimming pool. What are you even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I think now, and I mean, you, you can probably talk to this better than I can, but I really do believe that a lot of brands have that, you know, right there now and, and they work together and it's driving, you know, maybe, you know, especially with e-commerce, it's, they're really, really working together and they're on, they're on the same page. I'm not going to say every company, but I would say the majority of them understand this now. Well, I think the comment is the companies that are doing better are on the same page. There's still a lot of companies yeah. that aren't and they still struggle. And you're starting to see terms like, you know, revenue operations now where you've got this overarching where it all comes together from fulfillment yeah. to lead gen to nurture to sale, you know, and yeah. a lot of times, you know, especially we do a lot of work in the B2B space. These are longer sales cycles. There are multiple buying. You've got 10, 11 people in the buying group. You've got a lot of factors going on. And, you know, if it's already a company that you're working with, if you have that privilege, how is your, um, you know, how's your implementation? How's your fulfillment? Because you're not going to sell something new if you can't fulfill the thing you just sold. And, you know, I think for startups, that can be a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts in a startup space. So let's pivot into that a little bit, you know, with peer guidance as well. I know you're also an investor and you're actively involved in the startup, you know, early stage ecosystem in, in Alberta. How's it been going? Like, give us, you know, you started into it five years ago. I'm assuming it's moved to forward leaps and bounds since then. Like what are some of the things you're seeing and like kind of what's getting you excited right now about that, about that world? Oh, the startup world here. I mean, we, we talk a little bit about we're kind of up here, right? We're, we're, we're still, we're still early. I always, the analogy I use is we just started to, to crawl, but we are going in the right direction. Um, the one thing that I love about uh, our ecosystem is that it is collaborative and, it's not like the States or maybe even out East where it's kind of a dog eat dog world. We all work together and it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's thin air labs, whether it's pure guidance or, or any of the other companies that are out there, we see something and we can't help it. We're already referring them on to somebody else. We're saying, yes, this person, this is where you can be. You know what? I'm not the guy for you. So go talk to this lady over here. And, and that is probably is what's making it, you know, move maybe a little quicker than usual. Okay. And our ideas and, and companies like Startup TNT that are showcasing these companies at an earlier stage is priceless. VC firms, uh, late, late stage angel funds are now using the, the TNT investment summits as a, as a pitch deck, as, as a funnel. And they're like, oh my God, I like this company, this company, this company, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch them. And before you know it, you know, they're getting, they're getting funding and they're also getting, 
you know, funding even during the TNT Investment Summit. So we're doing a very good job here, shouting from the mountaintops and putting our 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 companies in the spotlight early enough on that global stage, and people are getting excited about them. It's so good. To, you're validating kind of what I've been hearing, right? I've been having a lot of conversations yeah. with the you know the early stage kind of VC world and that seed seed round and early stage investor talking about that level of collaboration of like, you know, I'm going in on a deal, but hey, I'm going to include you or I'm going to share with someone else. And that, you know, I do, I do believe that's one of our superpowers in Alberta. And I've had a few guys go, well, yeah, you get to other ecosystems, it's similar. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm a fan of this ecosystem and kind of where yeah. we focus on. So to hear that, that that's happening. Something I'm going to ask, and only because we share this, Kalea Carrington, I had Kalea on probably a year ago, and she shared something with me in a very staunch, she goes, you know, we do a great job in Alberta of incubating and nurturing an idea. But she goes, that chasm of death that happens for a company, when you get to a point that like, okay, I've got my idea, who's going to be my first set of customers? And crickets, and whew, goes very quiet. <laughs> and the, the desert is all of a sudden you know, vacant of life. And there's no one, you know, and she talked about, you know, potentially value for the province getting involved, like places for government to play. How do you get those first, like limit that risk of that, you know, the big lineup to be number two to buy from you, that number one, are you seeing that? Has that gotten, like that was a year ago, her and I had that conversation and, yeah. you know, I haven't followed up with her on it, but she really laid it out as like, let's go step by step. This is still a gap that we're not doing a good job in Alberta of fixing. Any perspective on that for you? Yeah, I agree, right? It's hard to get that first customer or even that second and third customer, right? It's some of the, a lot of the people that are coming up with uh, these great ideas or great businesses maybe don't know how to sell. And, and it almost goes back to our previous conversation where, yeah, I got this idea. Now, what do I do? Where do I go? And then then people get bad advice. And, and, I, and I don't want to say yeah, yeah, it's bad advice. On, on, on Jay, call kind of call spend, a spade a spade. This money. is an adult. This is an adult content show. You can call it what it is. <laughs> exactly, telling it like it is, right? So, we're just, it's just you know focusing on the wrong things, and that's one gap I really, really noticed in the ecosystem early on. Is that no, you should you got to really focus. You got to put it out there. You got to get find out if someone's going to buy your buy your idea, buy your product, whatever it is. And then, you know, one turns into two, into three. And, and that's what investors really want to see too. They want to make sure that somebody is interested in your product. The idea is great, but you know, if you can't sell it to anybody, well, I, I don't want to invest in it. And if I can't, if you can't get money on the sales side, how are you going to get money on the investor side? And that's something that, you know, people, you know, assume that everything's the same here as it is in the States. And it's totally different. Okay. And uh, the investor community is different here. So focusing on that early stage and how we're going to sell it and where we're going to go to get that next, uh, that next step is, is so important. And then, and I mean, I think that's why we've been extremely successful with, uh, within peer guidance is, you know, obviously the purpose before mantra helps, you know, where a lot of these companies don't have the money to pay somebody and, and we're not looking to, to make X amount of dollars a month. We work within what you can afford. And, you know, we waived all the fees for all of our clients during COVID. And last month we had a couple of companies that needed some graphic design and some printing and some other things done. So we waived our fees because they can't afford both, but we're not your typical business. So I understand when, you know, other companies say, I need that $5,000 a month. I need this. I need this. I need this because that's how they have to make their business work. We don't. And, and, and again, that's why I, 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 I want to be there for people. I, I don't want money to get in the way of the knowledge that they need to, to succeed. And, and that's, and that's usually, you know, the number one reason a startup fails is not because of money. That's number two at like 
32%, 42 or 43% is they just lose their drive and they don't, and it's probably because no one's there to help them. They're on a lonely island and, and it gets frustrating. Well, you said a lot, you said a lot in there. I want to unpack, but the one, the one thing I, I am really, I was like, well, okay, I got 17 notes in my head here, but, <laughs> but I do, I really appreciate that. I don't never have to let the money get in the way of not, but that's, that's a tricky one. That's so tricky because you know, those other businesses that are providing that support also need funds and they need to pay their rent yes. or whatever the case may be. But you said about the main difference between what you see from a U.S. investor mindset versus a Canadian investor, or even just a Western Canada investor. What are some of like, if you were going to go like, these are the things that are really different from what might happen. And I don't even want to use the Valley. That's, that's too specific. Like just overall U.S. versus what you're seeing in Western Canada. What are some of those differences if you were going to kind of peg them off? The, the number one uh, by, by, a lo- by a landslide is that they're more risk adverse. Like they'll take those cha- the chances and, and that's because their their ecosystem is just so much more developed than they've got those right. a lot they're, they're of exits. Less, they're less risk adverse is what you're saying. They're yeah, less right. risk adverse, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And, and then their, their ecosystem is more developed, right? They've had a ton of exits, a ton of people that now have that money that can... Okay. You know, we have a very strong angel uh, following here, but it's that next stage, that two to 10 million, that is is what we're lacking. And we you know one company we're working with just raised almost two and a half million dollars. They didn't get one investor from Alberta. Mm-hmm. And as, as we start to grow in these companies and whoever it may be, maybe, you know, eventually it's the Amanda's and, and what James and, and Thin Air Labs are doing right now will, will hopefully fill that role and, and other people as they have exits can, can strike that bigger check. Um, people won't have to go elsewhere. So that's usually the biggest difference is, is just a development. Our, our ecosystem isn't there with enough ex, um, you know, exits and people with those types of dollars to, to write those big, big, you know, two to $10 million checks. I, I really appreciate it. Like it's not that something is wrong or something is broken. We're just not at that stage yet. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. we just haven't, we'll gone, there. We haven't gone through enough cycles. Mm. Yeah. And we'll get there. I mean, we're, we're, we're really getting there. I mean, you're seeing tons of great companies getting that, you know, two to 10 million and, and hopefully they'll, you know, maybe five or so years, they'll start getting some of that money from, from Alberta. Yeah. And you've also, you know, I really appreciate you get those exits here. There's, those are now individuals that are comfortable. They have a bit of a playbook. They have the Rolodex, you know, and I've had, I've talked to a few a handful of startup, you know, they're like, we don't just need money. We need advice. We need guidance. We need introductions. We need yes. relationships. And when you've got a more sophisticated ecosystem, you've got, like I said, I've had people talk about, you know, Joanne Fideko, I've had her on. You just go into an average coffee shop in the Valley. There's four or five like multi-millionaires doing deals in t-shirts and running shoes. Cause that's just the way that ecosystem, but that's been over the last 30 years. Yeah, exactly. No, is, it ex- and- is it accelerating in Alberta? Like, our, it feels like it, but I'm also talking to people that are playing in the space. So it feels to me like there's more, but you know, kind of what you see in your world is what you believe everyone is seeing. So is that your experience as well? Or are we still just on a very consistent path? Yeah, we're, it's, it's not something that is, uh, you know, you can change overnight, right? It's, it's a slow, it's a slow pace to, to get having these companies, you know, exit, right? It's not a, you know, two, three year, right? process it's 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 a 10-year process when someone's going to have a big exit you know whether it's cement or jobber is going to be the next one right these or maybe neo some of us whoever your overnight success stories (laughs) yeah exactly so it's you're you're seeing the money being flown into these uh into these companies now like at the angel now you're seeing some of them getting that uh you know that late seed or and early stage vc and and that's good and that's what we want to see 
But more importantly, these companies are staying here and they understand that you don't have to leave here to get the money anymore. So there's nobody like I use James left to get his, you know, to get his big exit. And you know what he wants to do now? He doesn't want anybody to leave anymore. Right. So he kind of wants to prove, don't prove think, them all wrong that we can do it here, which I love. I love absolutely. That. And, and I, and I think he's all, he's bang on. Right. And I respect him so much for that to say, we can do it here. I wish I could have done it here, but now I'm going to make sure that we can do it here. And that mentality is only going to make our ecosystem stronger. And you, and you, you look at it, you're right. Like we have Benevity, great story, 10 year, yep. you know, wave 10 to 12 year of, you know, and you talk to James because it wasn't all, it didn't always look like that was going to be the end. There were some tough moments exactly. in there, which I had him on the show a couple of weeks ago and, you know, couldn't have been more honest and authentic about it. You get to the yep. end and everybody celebrates that massive win, but they don't celebrate that time you had to sleep in your car, you know, but those are the jokes you hear about that, that, that ecosystem. So I'm going to ask you, this is a tough question. So we're going to, we're going to, you know, I'm not trying to be divisive, but I am curious. You do a lot of work, I know, in Calgary and Edmonton. What do you see? Is there any differences between the two cities? I know you speak a lot about Startup TNT, and I you know, hear great things about them from you. And, of course, now they're on my radar. I'm running, I'm running into them all the time out there in the, in the world. But, you know, Edmonton-based, I've heard there are differences between the two cities when it comes to our ecosystems and how they operate. Any perspective on that? Ah, uh, you know, I, I guess when you when you look at Start Alberta and what Christina is doing and and mapping out where all the the startups are, the majority of them are in Calgary. Okay. Um, I, I, I find people want to maybe maybe it's just a city. I you know I'm not a you know I'm not going to knock Edmonton or anything along those lines, but it, it's. I, I like talking in terms of Alberta because, you know, investors in Edmonton invest here and vice versa. And I've invested in Edmonton companies and things along those lines. So, again, I think it's very collaborative. Uh, I just think that there's less, I, I, you know, my personal opinion this time for the, the summit that we're going through right now, actually, the, some of the better companies are from Edmonton. Um, last time they were from Calgary. <laughs> so, okay, interesting. I don't think there's a big difference in um you know, they have some, you know, some guys that have gone through some really good exits up there too, that are, are giving back to their ecosystem, just like James are. And, and, and then we have other people than James here that are, that are doing the same thing. So I, I, people don't look at it as a us versus them type thing, right? It, it's you, you, the lingo, whether it's, um, you know, Edmonton Global up there and, and Malcolm is trying to do something like the CIC is down here that brings every, like a lot of the investors and people and, and collaborate to make sure, you know, there's probably 50 people on our call once a, once a month and, and we're all talking together saying, hey, I've got this person that needs this. Can you help me? Or do you know somebody about, about you know, that has grant experience that can do this? Or do you know somebody in the ag tech business that we need an expert in this? So again, when I talk about collaborative, it's, it's not bullshit. It, it's where we're getting together once a month to make sure everybody needs what they want. And, and that extends up to even it's called the Calgary innovation collision, but it's still, we got people in Edmonton on the call and coming in and it's like collisions. Why would I say I focus it on Calgary, but it's very rarely a Calgary centric conversation for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I took my own advice exactly. and, you know, niche, 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 but it's very, we, nobody lives in a geodesic dome, right? We, we live all, we're all in it together. And, and because we're such a small province overall compared to like com, against us and we've got to bring it together to get that critical mass. Like there, there is not doing it on a 
it's on our own is not beneficial to anybody with that isolation mindset, which I don't think there is. Just I, when I first started doing the show, I did have a few people on that were very much like, well, you know, Edmonton's got a little something else going on there. So I did hear that, like, again, not an us versus them, but more of, you know, again, different cities have different cultures and different people that there was a little bit more going on there. But it seems now I, I keep asking that question. I keep getting that. No, no, no. We're all in it together. Kind of, kind of, kind of answer, which, which I appreciate. You know, any, any optics and you, you, you know, this is what happens, right? You come on the show, you become my expert for everything. So every question I think of, I'm now the expert on. So I apologize if yeah, I push I'm an expert you. on nothing, just an <laughs> FYI. <laughs> well, let me, I will be the judge of that. Yeah, I appreciate your humility. Um, I think, uh, any sectors that you're seeing that you're excited about? I know the ag tech sector has been getting some buzz with the 51 recently and any sectors that you see that you're, cause I know there's easy to talk about technology, but technology isn't a sector. It's an underpinning of everything. Is there any areas yeah. that you're seeing that you're excited about? Well, you know, it, it's funny that you, you asked that question because I, I, personally, I mean, everything's almost getting just lumped into tech now, right? Last year, the, the uh, startup, um, startup Alberta, company over five million, they could have given everything to Jobber and, and Schmed and those, but it was a mattress company out of Edmonton. And, and, and the gentleman comes on and says, uh, uh, you know, I'm, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm honored that we won this. He goes, I didn't know e-commerce was tech. And of course there's big laughter over zoom and, and you're like, so I don't know. I, I don't even think there's a grayscale anymore. I think just everything is tech. Um, but when you, when, you know, when I see people coming into startup TNT or, or any, any other company, I'm seeing a lot of different things, everything from CPG to food, um, to, to e-commerce, to, you know, mental, mental wellness, a lot of mental wellness type, a lot of health tech that is coming through here. So I'm seeing a wide swath of a lot of different uh, sectors. There is no, if someone's just going to say, oh yeah, ag tech is here. I was like, no, I don't think so. I, mm. It's really a good swath of, of, of everything, whether even clean tech. That, uh, you know, nothing, no one talks about clean tech here because we all just think we're a dirty province, but we got some of the greatest things coming out of here for clean tech and what ZS2 and Amanda and, and that Summit Nanotech are doing. And, and again, they're not getting the love that they need just yet, but that's it's starting, kind of it's, it's starting. We're starting to, right? right? When we see Amanda on BNN and, you know, she couldn't get anything after winning BNN, uh, you know, startup of the year in New York. She gets a little blurb out here. I'm like, come on, man. Like, we're better than this. I know. Yes, it's so <laughs> I, I don't think that there's no, te you know, industry that's really, really pulling away. Um, you know, again, the, the psilocybin and the nutraceutical mushrooms, you're seeing a lot of that in here. So, you know, does that fall under ag tech or what Saris is doing with them, with the cameras on when to exactly pick them to do that? Is it, or, so is that more of a, of a tech play than an ag play? So it's, it's kind of, uh, they all blur together. That's an interesting one. Just even that alone, like Calgary actually being the, the leading jurisdiction for psychedelics research in Canada. Like, Unless you don't know that, you don't have a clue that that's going on here. I think that that's the, you know, if you don't think there's anything happening in Calgary it's or in Alberta, it's because you're not paying attention. There is so many little rabbit holes you can go down and it's and they're all exciting. And I like what you said, and I think you're right. When I first started on, on, on the show, it always felt like, well, certain industries were a little slow to, to allow technology to be beneficial to them or they were starting the journey. Uh, you know, construction would come to my people like, oh, you know, construction, super slow to change. You're right. What isn't a tech play? It's just what it ends up optimizing is the interesting, that's maybe a better question. Which sector is the next to be more optimized by tech than the one beside it? Which I think everybody's in, in that game. Uh, telling it like it is, four years, two million views. So let's just, let's just celebrate that for a second. That's amazing. Why did you start telling it like it is? Uh, again, I, I didn't think that... 
companies were, were getting recognized early enough. And I didn't think it would turn into, you know, something fun like this. And, and you started your, you know, collisions for the same reason, right? Like we need to shout, we need to share these stories. And you use the term, which I love, right? 10 year overnight success. <laughs> and, you know, virtual gurus didn't become a great company when they got, you know, 2 million or $3 million in funding. They've been a great company hiring a lot of people that nobody's talking about in, in our province. And that goes for, doesn't matter if it's Wyvern, right? That just got, you know, a, a big funding up in Edmonton. And, and there, there's the space industry is bigger than I thought in Alberta too, if you want to talk about another one. And then, you know, they're getting funding, but again, nobody knows about the, these companies and they're hiring seven, eight, nine people. Like, so that's exactly why I wanted to start it is give up, give a place for these people to share their story, tell their story. I did live because a lot of people were doing just podcasts and no one was doing, doing live. And it gave, uh, it gave them some content as well saying here, chop it up, use the interview. Here's a YouTube link. Here's the MP4 file, you know, use this to, you know, spread the word about uh, the great things that your company is doing. So that's, uh, that's why I chose live. And, um, and I mean, it's turned into something that I never expected and I love it. And I love meeting the people like you do having these conversations. The entrepreneurs are just fantastic. The stories I share that, that I get, that I get heard why they started these companies. is always a fascinating story for me. How many guests have you had on out of the, out of the 2 million views? Like what, how does that translate to just actual humans, humans spoken to or, or stories shared, I guess. Almost, uh, we just passed, uh, we're about 200, somewhere oh, in there. Oh, nice. We're almost the same. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to be hitting 200 yeah. here just before Christmas. It's, yeah, it, think, it's uh, funny, just the weight that comes with just having stuck with it. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot to be said yeah. for just st like sticking it out. So for you, is it, you know, curious, people ask me this, so I'm kind of asking, how do you get your gas? Is it like, is it, people ask, oh, is it hard to get gas? And for me, I would say it's almost the opposite. I get too many and I get booked way too far in advance. And I think you kind of deal with a little bit of the same phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, I do. Sure, I can book with so, you, but how about, how's next February 4th with the bookman with Jade? <laughs> I know, I get that all the time now before, you know, at the beginning, it's like, hey, do you want to come on tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> I need some content, now it's I need like, some I'm content. <laughs> And now I'm booked into January. And in, in some ways, that's a downfall because I try and do, uh, you know, themes and things like that. Or I'll run into somebody or someone will reach out and say, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I want to come on your story. I got or your show. I got something. I was like, oh, man, I can't. And, you know, I just I'm booked and you know, we're kind of go, we go from there. So, yeah, there's no no lack of, of great companies out there willing to share their stories and talk. And and I mean, I have one rule before someone comes on is I actually have to meet them. And I mean, COVID put a little bit of a, you know, a, a Zoom spin on that, so to say, and have a discussion. And, and I want to get to know you a little bit better. So it makes a conversation like this, right? It's just kind of smooth. We can talk. We can talk about anything. And um like we did before, Matt Wright and talking about, you know, Mammoth XR or whatever it is, right? It's, it's, you just want to make sure that that conversation is not like, okay, here's a question. Oh, good answer. Next question. It's just got to oh, be. I think you and I share the same. I, sh I have a disdain for that type of interview. <laughs> Me too. I believe we've lost the art of a good old fashioned conversation. I don't know. I grew up in a small town, so you would go to the coffee shop and you would just bullshit about whatever was going on. And I think there is a there is an art form to that. And I think if you you know it, it is a it is a muscle, and if you practice it, you do get better at it. And if you're in business yeah. and you're a startup and you're like that ability to connect and just have like legit you know, conversations with other humans, it's a life skill. And I think we need to, you know, I think it easily gets lost in 140 characters and a bunch of sound bites that we run our days by. <laughs> There's my real rally against that. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what makes you a successful salesperson. Be able to sit down, say hi, talk to somebody, but more importantly, listen to them.
right? Yes. <laughs> Don't just wait for your turn to speak, as they say. Yeah, exactly. So, curious. I'm, you know, someone's listening to us and they're like, you know, I'd like to start my own. I'd like to do my own podcast. And there's lots of people jumping on the bandwagon. But I think I've read a stat the other day that like 64% of the podcasts on Apple iTunes only have five episodes because it went, oh my God, this is harder than I thought. Any advice for somebody who's looking to start generating their own content, you know, as someone who's done it very successfully and, and quote unquote, you stuck with it. So by, by that alone, you get a huge checkbox. Any advice you'd put out there for somebody that was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this before they, they dove into that world of content creation. Make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Right. I mean, if, if you, if you're, if you're, if you're going to do it out there, it's like, I'm putting it out there and I'm going to, you know, get X amount of dollars out of it, or I want to sponsor, or I want this, or I'm going to get sales out of it. Uh, you know, and you, you set it up something like if that's what your goal is, well then chances are, you're not going to succeed. If you're just going to go out there and, and, and have something and have casual conversations and do that, that'll just help your brand even, even more. Right. Like, so I, I think it's just reeling in your expectations and, and most people, and I would love to know the stat of how many of those, you know, Joe Rogan is great. Right. But you know, how many other ones actually make money or sell money? And then, I mean, again, like I, at one point I did have a sponsor and I didn't like it and I pulled it away and now I have a sponsor on there, but it's just giving a local company some more love, some more eyes and, and then drive some more, hopefully some more views to their website or whatever they want. So I think you have to understand the reason you're doing it because that that makes a big difference on probably why you don't get past five episodes. I could agree with you more. Like, and, I, and as someone who I really appreciate a good strategic like marketing plan with some very good tactics laid out, I do yeah. believe whether it's this or you know regularly creating a blog or a newsletter, it's a tactic. But if it doesn't have a strong purpose behind it, it's not like just running an ad campaign on social media or. You know, yeah. running a, a pay-per-click campaign on Google where you can put it up, run it for a couple of weeks, get some metrics and move on. There's a little bit of heart and soul that needs to go into this. And I think that is what's the, what absolutely separates. And that's the part where someone sees it maybe as a shiny tactic with no idea of what, you know, you know, none of what you speak kind of thing. And I didn't either. I got into it a little blindly. I was like, Ooh, man, if I didn't love this, this is way too much work. Let's be blunt. <laughs> you better enjoy it because you're going to, because you do more work on a podcast than I do as a live, which is great. I'm done. I, you know, 20 minutes to post it up and I'm all right, I'm off to the gym. <laughs> yeah, I also I will I will be full transparent. If I didn't have a fantastic team behind me and a great agency that does all that stuff, I, I probably wouldn't have got past episode two. A five would have been like, what? I have to edit? I have to what? What do you want? What do you want me to do? Not gonna, not gonna happen. Um, no, yeah, I really, that was I, reason number two that I didn't want to edit. <laughs> yes, I, For yes me, I, a good old fashioned chat doesn't get edited, right? I always, yeah, I don't know if you've ever had this. Well, you don't because you go live. But I joke. I said I, I always give guests kind of the permissibility of like, listen. If you get a, a vulnerability hangover, and it's probably only happened four or five times, but I get a call about 24 hours later of, hey, you know what? I thought about what I said, and I really want to dial that back. <laughs> so I do, I do, we don't edit, but we actually will make, um, we will make specific edits if somebody feels they got a little too honest or a little too vulnerable, which for me, that makes good yeah. content. But that's, uh, anyways, that's the only time that we edit. And I've, I, I call it the vulnerability hangover phone call, and I've got it about four or five times in 200 episodes. <laughs> Makes me laugh. Just shows that I got. Just shows that I was. I felt like I was a good host. that got them comfortable enough to uh, maybe wade into territory that they didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's enough, enough about enough about that. Um, so you sit in a place where you're talking to a lot of startups. You're talking to a lot of people in those very very early or early early stages. Somebody's listening today, and they're even one step before that. They've got the idea on the napkin. What would you recommend? Kind of what, like, quick, kind of top three steps. Where should they go next to to take that idea out for a little bit more of a walk, maybe? 
Oh, I think you just hit it right on the head. Number one, right? Get it out there. Get outside of your family and friends. That's going to say that's oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, do it. You know what? Come to start. Get out there. Go to a network. Go to a founders coffee on a Tuesday or start up TNT a Thursday night and talk to people and get some feedback from others that uh, don't know you. Will be honest with you and say, yeah, you know what? That's actually that. No, that's not a bad idea because I always believe that an idea is a starting spot. Like that idea is not going to be there. If you come talk to you, you talk to me, you go talk to, you know, whoever else in the world, you're going to listen to all that that they take in. And you're like, I'm going to add that. I'm going to add that. That's better. Oh, I didn't think of that. And before your idea now becomes, uh, you know, turns into an MVP or an actual business plan that you're able to execute. So getting out there and talking to others and, and don't be scared. It's not... I can guarantee you your idea has already been thought of or there's already a thousand people probably <laughs> maybe thinking of doing it. So no one's going to steal your idea. Go out there and talk and and, and get some positive outside feedback, um, you know, honest feedback about what it is. Don't be don't be precious and take 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 take. Be okay to let people. Maybe that baby is not as pretty as you as cute as you think it is. Or exactly right. The Seinfeld episode, right? When like oh whoa, right? They, you know, when <laughs> Jar- about that episode. <laughs> that's the ugly baby, and Kramer just loves it, right? Like <laughs> that's super funny. It's so yeah. it's so true, and it, like let's be honest, it's easy for you and I to say that sometimes in passing. But we're yep. humans, and we and we have egos, and we have our own vulnerabilities, and so much of that it gets messy when you get out there and you throw that you throw your idea out to the world, being willing to be yeah. to to have it kicked around. But I love what you said. It's not about my idea being good or bad. It's the force multiplier. It's the outside perspective that you get in that allows you to keep like leveling up and ten xing that idea. Again, yeah. easy to talk about on a podcast. It's sometimes maybe harder to do when you when you, when you when you hold it when you hold it close. Um, for you guys in pure guidance, are you constantly taking on new you know, new partners initially? I don't. What, what what sorry? What do you call the people you work with? Partners? Yeah, exactly. Okay, and are you guys always on the lookout? Because of course, this is this is where I'm going to pitch everyone on this call reaches out to you right now <laughs> and talks to you guys. How do you guys vet and venture? Like, uh, who's coming in for new ventures? Usually we only work with three to five okay, um, nice. clients at any, you know, partners at any given, like we, we kind of say we're like, we're a partner with no skin in the game, right? We're that team that you have that, uh, that you can't afford to pay type thing. Right. <laughs> so because, you know, guys like Mo Ladd and Peter Lafontaine, even Kalea, um, they have their own jobs, right? Their own businesses that they're working with. So you can't go out there and say, you know, come give X amount of hours to, to peer guidance type thing. So we, we want to make sure that we're hands-on, um, that a company really needs the help that we need, uh, are at that stage of, you know, of being able to go from whether it be, you know, zero to a 2 million or 500,000 to wherever, or, or want to exit. So we, we, we make sure that, 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 person is you know wants somebody to come in and help them number one is going to listen because we're not going to come in there and pat you on the back and say what a great job you've done we're coming in there being authentic and saying okay well this is you know we're telling it like it is this is how we're going to work this is what you need to do if you're not willing to do this and if you don't want to you don't want our help we're not going to waste our time with you and most of the time people are and I, you know a lot of times i'll work with companies for for no charge and, and do it on my own and help them out because they're really early stage and, and you know we can get them there and and introduce them to, to other people so yeah we're, we're, we're kind of built differently when it comes to that and uh, but we want again it, it's always hard when when someone comes to you and say oh I need you I need to do this I need to do that and they, they think they're at a certain stage and then when you start really diving down into their business and their numbers and and right right to a financial point of view 
they're not ready for you and they have some internal things that they have to do and saying, okay, why don't you work on this, do this, and then, you know, and, and, and let's go from there and here's somebody that might be able to help you type thing. So it, it's not that, you know, we could probably do a few more than five clients um, if, if we wanted to, but it, it would, it, it takes a lot of, we spend a lot of time for, for what, you know, some people pay us. And, mm-hmm. and that's, again, not why we're there, but we want to make sure that we're giving and when we're there for the, one of the things that I've prided myself in, in my entire career, since I guess cell phones came out is that I will almost answer your email or something within a minute. And even if it's, uh, I don't know that answer, I'll get back to you or, you know, I'm in a meeting or, or something along those lines. I want people to know that, that we're there for you. So I don't want to have someone send me an email and say, oh, and I respond back in three or four hours and, and those types of things. So I want to make sure when somebody phones me or texts me that I'm answering them and I'm helping them right now. And if I, we have a whole slew of clients, it's going to be pretty tough to do that. I appreciate it. As I listen to you talk, the name Pure Guidance makes more and more sense. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is exactly what you guys do and, and telling it like it is. I love the, I love the straight talk and that's, that's, you know, as entrepreneurs and business leaders, having someone from the outside willing to give us that advice, it's, that's priceless. It's, and it's fun. I mean, it's something that I'm at a point in my life that I really like doing and it's, you're, you're there, right? And, and I found other like-minded people that want to help, right? That want to give back, that want to share your knowledge. Like I've had people from Edmonton and Vancouver and one person from Toronto reach out and say, I really like what you're doing. Can, you know, can we franchise or take your brand out here? And then when I dive into talking with them, it's, well, no, we want to run it like a business. And I'm like, well, then that's really not your purpose before profit, right? I, I, it's now a business and that's kind of not what we want to be, so to say, right? Like, like any money that we do get, we just divide up equally. It's not like I spent three hours, two hours, you spent 10 hours or I got this client. It's like, who gives a shit? It's like, we're, we're, we're all in this together and let's just, you know, have some fun and, and help some companies succeed. Oh, that's awesome, man. What a fun, what a great mandate. And kudos to you for holding the line because it's easy to get pulled in different directions when you've got something like that going on. So peerguidance.ca, telling it like it is. If somebody wants to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to find, track you down? Oh, I'm always on LinkedIn, right? Jade Alberts. You can go to our website, like you said. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. <laughs> I'm at every single networking event. Every Tuesday, if you want to come down to Founders Coffee, 7.30 a.m. at Red's Diner in Kensington, I'm there. Thursdays at six o'clock at uh, the craft, we have our startup TNT uh, drinks. I'm usually there every, every Thursday. So, you know, I, I, I'm like you, I just enjoy meeting people. I enjoy having these honest conversations and, and authentic conversations. And, and again, sharing my knowledge and, and, and giving back because it's, it's something that puts a smile on my face, you know, every day. And uh, there's so many, so many great people in, in this city that are are doing so many great things and uh i'm just happy to be part of it and and being you know one little block in this huge lego display we call calgary i love it jade thanks so much for coming on the show and uh sorry blatant blunt uh blatant plug thanks for telling it like it is <laughs> all right i appreciate it buddy have a good one oh you too man <laughs> okay bye-bye <laughs>